All right, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and bringing you Florida Gator coverage every day. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. You can also follow my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed last night's episode. Or actually, I guess we didn't post one yesterday, but I hope you enjoyed the episode before that where we had Brandon Carroll on. We told you that he would be back soon. And obviously this is a very important week with Florida, Georgia taking off. So we're excited to be back and we have another special guest. Yeah, that's right. We're bringing in another guest. It's someone that does work with us at Sports Illustrated All Gators. And I'm sure you guys will be getting familiar with her here at Locked On Gators, but I'll just leave that as a massive tease for now. With that being said, Jackie Francioli is someone that I've worked with before at Rivals and she is over at ABC TV 20. WCJB Gainesville right now is joining us on the show to preview Florida, Georgia. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Zach Demetrius. It's uh, it's fun to talk about football this week. Yeah, I know you've been caught up in a lot of non-football stuff, so we're glad that we can give you some time off from that. Yes, grateful is, is the <laughs> key word there. And you guys will be listening to this on Friday. We're a day away or so uh, from Florida, Georgia. Uh, the game that we believe will determine the SEC East. And, you know, I mean, we said I said that last year on my first year covering the beat, and I guess I'm definitely not the only person that feels that way. It's just these are the two powerhouses of the SEC East. No one else really is going to stand a chance, and especially with how the schedules line up afterwards and how their records look right now. Whoever wins this, we should feel pretty good, Demetrius, that they will be the ones going on to Atlanta to, we would assume at this point, face it, uh, Alabama. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you just look at how the schedules line up, both Florida and Georgia have only one loss, and they're both to the SEC West teams. Florida has already faced off against South Carolina. They've won. Obviously, they beat Missouri last week soundedly. And look at the, the, the remaining schedule. I mean, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt in the SEC East, all of them have three losses. Everybody else besides Georgia and Florida in the SEC has three, three losses. So, if you just look at how this game shapes up, and I know that almost every season it basically comes down to this Florida-Georgia game, who is going to win the East and who's going to you know, sit, be sitting at home for the SEC Championship game weekend. And it, 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 just, it just all lines up. Honestly, this is going to be the game of the season for the Gators. We always kind of suspected that. But now that we kind of see how the schedule has unfolded, how the records have unfolded, it just makes it that much more important. And I think that the Gators are going to be Maybe they'll they'll be ready to, to go on Saturday, and we'll see what happens. Jackie, you know, it's kind of been back and forth. In the offseason, especially during COVID you know, concerns and the teams being away from their programs, we were wondering, is Todd Monken's offense and the quarterback controversies at Georgia going to be too much for them to beat a team in Florida that's got a lot of veteran talent coming back on both sides of the ball? Then through three games, Florida really struggled defensively, uh, and we thought, you know, who's, who is going to end up coming out on top? Will it be Florida's great offense or Georgia's great defense? Because it won't be vice versa. Uh, it won't be the other two sides of the ball for each team. Uh, and then we saw Florida come out and rebound after that time off with a good game against Missouri to where, you know, maybe there is a little bit more confidence going Florida's way once again. At, with it going back and forth so much, where do you stand in that? Where do you see each team kind of having an advantage at this point? 
Yeah, I kind of agree with you. You know, I, I vacillated back and forth between Florida and Georgia. You know, if you asked me, you know, after last year coming into this year, I was like, this was Florida's season. I, I always felt like Florida had all the positions and pieces that they needed to make a big run. And their schedule was very favorable um, before, obviously, all the COVID-19 stuff. And then we moved off to all ACC. I always felt Florida had this was their year. Um, and then all the craziness happened with COVID-19 and then with, you know, season getting, you know, adjusted with the schedules and everything. And then we saw them in the first couple of games. And like you said, the defense, I just thought, okay, if Georgia's defense looked this good in the first couple of games and Florida had to rely on the offense all this time, I just didn't think that they would be able to be hang. I thought the defense was going to make mistakes like it did at Texas A&M. I thought that was going to be the repeat scenario. But now that we see that Georgia – now has injuries on the defensive side of the ball and they're not going to have some of those guys that make that defense tick and their offense isn't, you know, performing well. And Kirby Smart's going to Kirby Smart at some point. Now I'm thinking, okay, this is, again, Florida's game to lose. I think this is Florida's season to lose. I think Mm -hmm. when everything you look at, yes, the defense still has problems. I'm not going to brush it aside because one game does not make a trend. One game does not make me change my mind on the defense completely. Although Kyrie Campbell's addition to the, I think the defense was one of the biggest factors in that game against Missouri, just because when people aren't playing in their correct position, you're, you're going to have other guys trying to compensate for that. Um, and you're going to cause chaos, which is what we saw in the first couple of games of Florida season. So I think a lot of the defensive pieces are coming together. But I, I think this game against Georgia, I think we're going to see how far they really have come. Um, I, I really want to see what Grantham is going to game plan against Georgia. This is a game where he has struggled to coach. Um, and it's also I'm curious to see what he does in that secondary. Uh, we have saw a brand new group against Missouri. That was not his normal starting lineup. Um, so I want to see what he does. I'm expecting uh, maybe one or two young guys to make an appearance in that starting lineup. I, I think we're I think we're going to be in for a surprise and who might be starting at star. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how Grantham approaches the game against Georgia. But I agree. I think Florida win beats Georgia. The only thing they need to do is they have to have to handle business the week after. Um, where it's going to be an emotional night game with Felipe Franks Bank in town in Arkansas. And something that Florida has struggled in the few years is having that letdown game where there's all of the emotional and emotion game and they put everything on the line and then having that downward game. So as long as they keep their emotions in check, play like Kyle Trask, zone in, become that guy has, that is an even keel, I, I think this could end up propelling them moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned that game right afterwards, and that's kind of the the biggest scare for me at this point, because I'm with you. I think this does become Florida's game to lose once again. But they have that game where they could, you know, maybe they are brought back down to earth after a win when you're playing an emotional game like you will against Felipe Franks and Arkansas. And with that being said, you know, even if Florida does win this game and loses to an SEC West opponent, it can make things a little trickier. Demetrius, before we move on to our next segment, when you look at Georgia, is there a game at, on the rest of their schedule after Florida that you think they could end up losing to make things, you know, whether it separates them from Florida or Georgia one way or another? Like, what do you see on their schedule? Well, honestly, their schedule, it, it's probably maybe even easier than Florida's remaining schedule. They don't, they've already played Kentucky and they they won 14 to three. You know, they squeaked out a victory against Kentucky. And that was probably their most challenging, you know, opponent for the remaining five games of the season or six games of the season at that point. 
now they're going to go in against Florida and then they'll play Missouri, you know, who we just saw Florida beat down. And then they'll play Mississippi State, who has not played like a Mike Leach offense since week one. Um, I'm still very upset and, and <laughs> troubled by my um, my 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 good friend and, and, and my good friend Mike Leach. I'm, I'm very upset by his offense performance so far, but you know it is what it is, and I, I think that Georgia should obviously win in that game. And then they play South Carolina, a team that Florida has already beaten. Uh, we already know how Will, Will Muschamp plays or coaches, and and then they finish with Vanderbilt. So I, I I think that this is a very relatively easy schedule for Georgia to go ahead and. You know, if they do lose against Florida, they can probably bank on winning the remaining four games of the season. And they'll have to obviously hope that Florida loses at least an SEC East matchup or, you know, loses a couple games. And I think that Jackie and, and, and you, Zach, you guys nailed it with the with the Arkansas game as a trap game. I think me and Zach over the, you know, maybe in the second week of the season or maybe third week of the season, we talked about Arkansas and how well that they they have looked, you know, we, we can't kind of came into the season thinking that they would be more of a Vanderbilt team, but, you know, with Felipe Franks in there, they've seemed to be more um, reasonable as, as an opponent than we would he's have expected up, coming into the season. He's up for you comeback know? player of the year. Right. And this, this could very well be a trap game because, you know, you put in all your energy, you put your heart, sweat and soul into, or your blood, sweat and soul, whatever. Tears. The, Whatever the saying is, tears, but what so it doesn't really matter. You put everything into this game, and so it, coming out of it, you're going to play a night game against Floyd Bay Franks, who's going to be fired up. You guys may be a little bit more let down because, you know, you just came off of that extremely uh, extensive performance against Georgia, and who knows what will happen at that point. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that this is going to be a game in which Florida needs to win and, and they can't really afford to drop any more games after it, um, at, at least not to an SEC East opponent. What could it be that would, you know, win or lose this game for Florida? What are the matchups that we're looking forward to and who are our X factors? We'll be talking about that after these messages. Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill, watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste, it makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing, Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind, so when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, so what we're going to do next as we continue to preview Florida versus Georgia, we are all going to pick whether it be one you know, personnel matchup or even just a specific player for Florida, or Georgia for that matter. Uh, the most important part of this game in order to achieve a Florida victory. Demetrius, I will go ahead and start with you and... Listen, I, I know who your pick is, and I know that you're keeping it on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that certainly makes sense uh, 
Because Florida's going to have to be on their A game offensively in order to overcome what is a very good Georgia defense. Right, and and this is probably the most obvious pick. It, easy, uh, couldn't say it more than it's been said already. But Kyle Pitts obviously is going to be the X factor for the game, at least for the for the Florida offense this week, especially with the Georgia injuries in the secondary. With with LeCount not playing, and I understand that you know Pitts did have a solid game. I think he had four receptions, like seventy eight yards last season, with LeCount shadowing him a bit last season, but. Now he's not going to be in there, and they're going to be playing a junior safety back there who hasn't had very much um, playing time this season. And then there could be another safety out, and they'll have to play a freshman at that position. Obviously, you know, Todd Grantham and Brian Johnson, offense coordinator, or defense coordinator and offensive coordinator, respectively, have already mentioned how well Georgia recruits. And so their drop-off, or they're not expecting the drop-off to be as detrimental for for Georgia right now but it's still going to be something where Pitts is obviously going to have the advantage and I think that him and Kyle Trask are going to have to have that connection that we've seen throughout at least the first few weeks of the season I know that it didn't look too much like that same connection last week but you know he still led the team in receptions and yards um, quietly no one really noticed and so this is going to be another game where Pitts is going to be the most probably the most important part of the puzzle for the Florida offense. And I think that we're going to see because of Georgia's injuries, they might be able to take advantage in that area. And Jackie, where, where do you see the biggest matchup or the most important player of the game coming from? Could it be maybe the guy that will be throwing the passes to Kyle Pitts or do you see it somewhere, uh, somewhere else? You know, I, I think the key to this game is going to be the Gators wide receivers and Kyle Pitts. And obviously Kyle Trask throwing the ball is very important, but I, when you look at this, well, you look at the Georgia Alabama game earlier this year. I know everyone talks about how the game in the SEC is won in the trenches, but that game was won because of Alabama's wide receivers. Uh, when you look at that film, you saw how good those Alabama wide receivers against the Georgia secondary. This is when the Georgia secondary was fully um, was uh, fully strong, and I think when you look at Florida's wide receiver unit and you see not only Kyle Pitts. Um, who I think has the most touchdowns by a tight end in the country. And you've got Kadarius Tony, who's a magician, who I feel like can go to a, uh, go and walk a tightrope in between buildings because of the way he <laughs> was able to skirt the edge of the end, the field the last game. And then you got you see a potential of Jacob Copeland. And then you look at guys like Trevon Grimes and the veteran there. And then you've got guys like Damian Pierce who can help a little bit with the ground game. But he's also proven that he can become a pass catcher if they want um, on a few occasions, um, I think you just got so many weapons that Florida can utilize. And you're not even talking about possibly coming in with, um, you know, some trick plays in there. Because we haven't seen a trick play yet from Dan Mullen, who has a few of them up his sleeve. But we mm -hmm. haven't seen those yet. Um, I, I just think that with Georgia's injuries and with Florida's strength in the passing game, I just think that that is the matchup that can win against Georgia. Um, and, um, just because I don't, I want to be a little bit different than Demetrius since that was basically his matchup too. The other thing that I would look for is the pass rush against, you know, Stetson Bennett. I think that's one thing that last time Florida and Georgia play, that was a big question mark. They couldn't get that pass rush going. And I think having Kyrie Campbell, like I mentioned earlier back there, I think that's going to be a key difference in this. And I think because Georgia's offense hasn't been firing all cylinders, having a guy, a veteran like that, all the other guys are playing their position, 
Zach Carter will be playing the second half. Obviously, will not be available in the first half. Um, I think that's going to be the difference. Um, I think Florida will be able to put pressure on some uh, quarterback that doesn't maybe have the confidence that you know a Jake Fromm would have had last year there. Um, obviously, Jake Fromm has had success against Todd Grantham, not only at, you know, I, I believe they played once against Mississippi State when Todd Grantham was a D.C. as well. So I, I think, you know, I think those are the both sides of the ball. I think that those are the key matchups right there. You've got uh, the pass rush against Georgia's QB. And again, I think Georgia has not allowed a touchdown by a tight end this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to I think they're going to have the first one at least. I think I think Kyle Pitts will score at least one touchdown. Especially without LeCount back there. And, exactly. You know, just that he makes that unit so much more sound. And he's a guy that really, you know, got to line up across from Pitts a lot last year. So they won't have that familiarity within the matchup as well. Uh, I'm going to echo where you went with it about the pass rush. And, and I'll extend it to maybe even just the rush in general because they will have to stop the run. Uh, I believe, I think it was Brandon that brought the stat up. Uh, the last at least three games have been decided by the team that rushes uh, for the most yards. And it might even go back further than that. And Zamir White, James Cook, Kendall Milton, like they can all run the ball pretty well. It's the bread and butter of this Georgia offense still under Todd Monken, which is not what we necessarily expected it to be, but it might just take time for him to get comfortable with his quarterback room before he transitions to pass heavy, which is what he's known for. However, he will try and pass the ball with Stetson Bennett. They've confirmed that he is going to start this week. He has had some struggles, uh, and he's, but they're still confident, and they think that he gives them the best chance to win. In which case, like we said, Brenton Cox and Kyrie Campbell, Zachary Carter, those guys are going to become so much more important in stepping up and making plays because Stetson Bennett, he's not very polished under pressure. He's completing just 44.4% of his passes under pressure, according to Pro Football Focus compared to 60% when he's not under pressure. So there's, there's a clear difference if you can rattle him even just a little bit. He gets uncomfortable, and he can't extend plays, and he can't extend drives. And, you know, I understand Florida's defense is not that good, uh, even at coming off, off of a good Missouri game. You know, you do want to see more than just a one-game sample size. And based off the previous three, we can't expect that they will struggle against what's an efficient offense uh, for Georgia. But if they are able to rattle Stetson Bennett and make the offense at least one-dimensional at that point, given the de- uh, injuries on defense and what Georgia has to deal with making it an uphill battle, I don't know how they're able to hold on with with Kyle Trask, with Kyle Pitts in this explosive Florida passing offense. Absolutely. I mean, this is a game where this Florida defense is probably going to have to play almost like they played last week against Missouri. I mean, you look at the statistics. They gave up only, I believe, 40 yards rushing on 23 carries, which I think averaged out to around 1.7 yards per carry. And that's what's going to be the difference in this game, really. I mean, you already talked about it, Zach. You know, whoever wins this running game battle is probably going to win because that's how it, how that's how it's been decided over the past few years. So if, if Florida can come out and play with that, you know, strength on their defensive line, obviously Zach Carter's not going to play in that first half. But if, if if they can get by in that first half and then obviously stop them late, which is usually when the ground game sort of gets going for teams anyways. So if, if, if you can just have that defensive mindset of flying to the ball, you know, I believe that Kyrie Elam came out this week and said, you know, they had that mentality um, against Missouri of everybody getting to the football, which is ha- which has been their problem over the first or had been their problem over the first 
three games of the season before this, and they just weren't necessarily all flying to the ball. It, they didn't look as aggressive. It didn't look like a Todd Grantham defense that we've seen, you know, last year and then even the year before to, to an extent. It's just one of those things where they're going to have to figure it out, especially against this Georgia football team where they've been pretty much running the football more than passing the football this year. If Zamir White has, already has 4.5 yards per carry, Kendall Milton has 5.7. James Cook, who I believe is the younger brother of uh, Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. That's correct. And, yeah, and he's already averaging 5.3 yards per attempt, and, you know, he hasn't even gotten the ball that, that much. So if if Florida can go in and stop the run, and obviously they're going to have to run the ball themselves, I think that this is going to be a game that they can win. And I guess, I guess we'll just have to see. We're going to come back after these quick uh, messages, and we're going to be leaving our takes, our predictions. Uh, we've got the spread pulled up here and the over-under. So after these messages, we will be bringing you the takes. All right, Jackie, we have got a spread of uh, 3.5, and it is in George's favor with a over-under of 52.5. Um, I have a feeling that we are sliding Florida here uh, across this pod. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I will go ahead and start with you. Uh, let's hear it. What are you thinking? I, I You know what? I think Florida's going to win. I think this is the year that Florida beats Georgia, and it'll be a big moment for Dan Mullen's career and tenure at University of Florida. I think, I don't think they just win. I think they win 31 to like 20. I, mm. I'm giving them mm. a, a little bit more of an edge. I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be close in that first half. And I think the second half, it's kind of play the same script of, of our, Georgia's game against Alabama. It's going to be t- a little bit closer and then it's, it's going to, um, go a little bit further in the second half. I just think Florida has too many weapons on offense. I just don't think Georgia can keep up. The only thing that I'm worried about is Georgia's run game, like you both mentioned earlier. Um, I don't. If they have a repeat performance defensively that they did with Texas A&M, that's a whole different story. But just watching them and their improvements and just watching the mentality and that emotion that they showed after their win against Missouri, um, seeing, you know... Um, just how the team reacted to Darth Gator and um, letting the, I guess the hate flow, flow through them since they were, they're probably the most hated team in the country. So letting that emotion build them, I think, uh, I think I remember an interview back to uh, back in the day when I was younger watching the university of Miami nineties team, because they said it was us against the world and watching those 30 for 30. And I feel like university of Florida is in that position right now. I feel like everyone is against them. Um, they're, you know, Dan Mullen likes to play the heel. Well, I think they're, I think they're using that as a vibe going into the game. I, and honestly, everything on paper, if you look everything about this game, you've got injuries on Georgia's defense. You've got Florida's offense being their strength this year. It just seems as everything is scripted to be Florida's year. Um, if they don't beat Georgia this year, there's a lot of questions that Dan Mullen and his staff will need to answer because this is this is this, this is the this is the year. Um, if they don't do it, then you've got to ask yourself why? Why weren't you able to beat Georgia? So I think there's a lot of stake, but I think this could be the game. This could be the year for them. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it, that's three games in a row that you're unable to beat Georgia to begin your regime. Uh, at Florida, you've got to have answers at that point. And one thing you mentioned with the energy, especially uh, coming off of Darth Gator, coming off of the fight and everything last week is, you know, we talk about how important this defensive line is going to be. 
Zachary Carter is going to come out amped up in that second mm-hmm. half and raring to go. Yep. Now, no, Demetri- oh, agree. Yeah, and uh, Demetrius, I'll move it over to you. Um, you, I know, are a little bit more back and forth, and I also think you're predicting to be a little closer. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I still have Florida winning. I'll just come out and say it already. I, I did I did go a little bit back and forth, and I think that this game could have ended with this final score either way. At, at some points, I was thinking maybe Georgia, or some, at other points, I was thinking Florida. But basically, for all the reasons that Jackie already mentioned, this does look like a matchup that, you know, Florida should win. Or, you know, it, it just seems like it's pre preluding to that Florida victory. Um, I have them winning 35 to 28, so slightly lower spread, I guess, that Jackie predicted, but still higher than the 3.5, obviously, with Florida winning this one. And it, it, it really comes down to this. I feel as though last week was extremely important for this Gators defense. It, it, it can't be understated enough. And it, they needed to be able to see that they could play defense in the SEC this year. I mean, I've said it all season long. You know, I came into this beat thinking SEC defense, like, I can't wait to watch this. And then what I saw the first three weeks of the season was anything but. I thought we were watching the Big 12 or the Big 10, and, and it, it just didn't make sense to me. And then finally, you know, against Missouri, I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I expected. And so I think that that's sort of the mentality that even the Florida, the Florida defenders have. You know, obviously they've always been confident in themselves. They've always known that they could do this. But to actually see it happen, to feel that defensive presence, and to know that, you know, we can do this, I think that that was extremely important. And I think against this Georgia Bulldogs team, they're going to go in fired up. You know, they are the one of the most hated teams. They've had a lot of controversy surrounding the team, whether it be from Dan Mullen's side of things or anything else. You know, they've they've had a lot of stories written about them on the negative side, even though they are currently um, winning winning football games for the most part. And so I think that this is going to be the game where they try to silence everybody and they say, you know what, we're just going to come in and play and, you know, do our best and, and, and beat the, the Georgia Bulldogs for the first time under head coach Dan Mullen. And I think that this is going to be the game of his career, and he's going to have to show that, you know, we can do this. And then, you know, moving forward, what's next? You know, if, if, if they don't win, then like Jackie said, he's going to have a lot of questions to answer. And, you know, people are going to be fired up asking, you know, why can't you beat Georgia? You know, that's going to be his – that's going to be on his resume for the rest of the time. You know, oh, Dan Millen was a great head coach, but he couldn't beat Georgia. And so this is going to be interesting to see, and, and I do think that Florida is going to be able to come out and win, and I guess we'll find out on Saturday, right? Yeah, and, I, um, and I've got Florida coming out and winning this game, and I've got it being a little bit higher scoring. I've got it 38-27, to 27, but I feel like it's going to feel close for a bit. I, it, it's going to seem – like Florida's defense maybe comes back down to earth a little bit because maybe they did almost even overachieve a little bit considering the amount of youth and changes they had on defense. They did perhaps overachieve against Missouri who had had performed well in recent weeks. Like it was a bit of a statement game, but again, I, I would like to see more. Georgia is a tough team to ask for more uh, out of the Florida Gators defense, uh, especially with the run uh, game that they present. With that being said, we've talked about the, uh, it being key to running the ball as well. And I think Florida will come out and they'll score and they'll be able to pass the ball pretty well with the amount of injuries there. But I am going to want to see that balance, especially as the game goes on. If George is able to match scoring drives throughout the first half, 
try and find ways to extend the uh, drives in the second. Maybe it is the game to finally start giving the ball to Damian Pierce. And I would, I feel like that's a like I'm a broken record when I say that. But when you're going against a Georgia team that you know has such a good defense, this is the game where you may not look to a five nine. You know, however much he is, Naquan Wright, who's more elusive. You're going to want someone that can go and grind out those tough yards, wear down George's defense if he's effective. And Damian Pierce is your best answer for that. So not only am I predicting that maybe Florida's defense takes a bit of a step back this week, but in order for Florida to win, they are going to have to come out firing and keep things balanced as they go on with a good game from Damian Pierce. Now, I would bet a lot of money, and this is my fault for not being prepared, uh, that they do not have a 100-yard rusher this year. In fact, like... Me being so shocked that Kyle Trask led the team with 47 rushing yards against Missouri makes me think they may not even have had a 50-yard rusher this year. And I, and I could be wrong there. I could be totally wrong. But I do think that Damian Pierce or someone, at least in the backfield, does go for at least 75. Maybe they'll even push 100. That would be something incredible. Yeah, I think that Pierce has ran for 55 yards in one game this season. But, okay. but you're right about that. I mean, it's 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 a time where, you know, Dan Mullen really is playing the running back by committee model. And I think that we've seen it have success at times. And then other times you're thinking maybe you should just give the ball to Damian Pierce, who has been your bell cow and has been the guy who has had the majority of the reps. And he's a guy that you can lean on and you should be able to lean on. He's able to grind out the tough yards. If you need two to three yards, you should know that Damian Pierce is probably going to get it, especially near the goal line. Um, last week we saw Na- Naquan Wright get in on the goal line and he was able to muster up, I think a yard because you know, th- he's just not the exact same style of back. I know that Dan Morton and Brian Johnson have both said that, you know, he's sort of a mixture. He can play the same sort of Malik Davis pass catching role and he can also be the power but if you have Damian Pierce, you already know what you have. You should just go with the go with the hot hand in, in that situation. Um, we're going to see how they do, but I I I agree with you that you know Florida is going to have to run the football, and I do think that there is going to be a seventy-five yard plus rusher on this Florida football team. And you know whether it comes from Pierce or whether it comes from Malik Davis or or Naquan Wright, who knows at this point? But I I do think that they're going to have to lean on that, especially being able to take some time away from the Georgia offense so that they can just have their defense fresh and ready throughout the game. Hey, Dan Mullen would want me to tell you to not sleep on Iverson Clement or Lorenzo Lingard or Emory Jones <laughs> or, or Kyle Trask for that matter. Lamar Traskson. Oh, <laughs> Jackie, stop what about trying, what? Trying, stop trying to make Lamar Traskson Please, happen. Please. Uh, listen, uh, I know that Brian really liked it, so that's all that matters. Uh, Jackie, what, what, what about you? We'll leave this uh, as the last potential take as for the run game. Could you see someone break in 75? I want to say yes, but you know, I watched, you know, text, um, I watched the game against Missouri when Damian Pierce seems to run the ball, they stopped running the ball. Um, (laughs) they chose to pass. So it's, I don't know if it's not like Damian Pierce isn't capable of getting yards. I just don't see them calling the plays as much because they're just so confident in that passing game. And obviously, Brian Johnson's, you know, having more responsibility in play calling, it seems. So he's obviously going to be very friendly to the pass. Um, I think they need to run the ball. I think, you know, and if you want to keep defenses honest, if you want to go far in the SEC, you need to have a balanced offense. Um, you know, even LSU last year with a great offense in the air, they still had good run, running backs. 
Um, so yes, I do feel like they need to establish the run, but the one thing I know we focused on Damian Pierce a lot, but I wouldn't be shocked if I saw a couple of packages with Anthony Richardson coming in against mm. Georgia. You remember, you know, I, I think it was, um, you know, Dan Mullen put Emory Jones in his first year there to get experience and Emory Jones actually threw a long pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that because people were like, oh, that's such a be- the most beautiful incompletion I've ever seen. I think that was what I saw. That's the thing. I think that's what I saw on Twitter. This is when you know the whole em- er- er- people were already on the Emory Emory Jones fan club. Um, so that was uh, so I could see Dan Mullen putting in Anthony Richardson for a package. I could see him using Emory Jones. I think he's been hesitant to do that this year. It wasn't like something that he's done more last year with this team where he used a two quarterback system a lot more. I really loved how he used a two quarterback system against LSU last year. And it was the one game um, when I broke down the plays because I'm a, I'm a stats nerd and I went play by play last year about breaking down how Mullen used Emory and Kyle Trask and when it hurt the flow, when it did not And the LSU game was the only one that looked like it was scripted how they had actually planned each drive of when Trask and Emery were going to play, and it didn't ruin the flow in that game. Um, while other games, like against South Carolina, for instance, I remember that when he put in in that first half, but it was kind of haphazard and it was raining and it, they weren't performing very well in the first half. Sometimes when he's changed the quarterback, it kind of ruined the momentum that Kyle Trask was having or vice versa with Emery Jones, and usually either it ended up with a punt or a turnover. And I think... Dan Mullen, because of that, has been shy this year about using that. But I get, I still think of the LSU game that that year where they were playing in Death Valley at night and were so close to beating LSU. And one of the reasons why, because he was utilizing a two quarterback system quite effectively. So against Georgia, I wouldn't be shocked if he threw in a couple packages that we have yet to be seen. And it could be, honestly, that they haven't used those packages yet because of COVID-19 and all the stuff that they couldn't run through in the spring. They didn't have those extra weeks in practice to install those and also in fall camp with less practices. So that could be the reason why we haven't seen those trick plays that Mullen likes to run or we haven't seen those packages with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson as much as, you know, we probably expected this year. But honestly, what better game to put those packages in if you had them? Dan floated it a couple of weeks ago, three quarterbacks on the field, Anthony, Emory, and Lamar Trasson. All at once. But wouldn't you have <laughs> stop making Lamar tracks and I could hear Lamar. Demetrius sigh. <laughs> but, but doesn't Kadarius Tony count as a quarterback too? Because he was a quarterback in high school. So technically, technically, he if he's on the field, there'll be three quarterbacks. If he puts uh, like Anthony Richardson and Kyle Trask. And, and Emory, and then we've got four in the backfield. They can do a full house. I'm <laughs> I'm waiting I'm waiting to see them pull out the Kadarius Tony. Uh, trick play pass, and I think that it could come in this Georgia or the game. Trent or the Trent oh, Whittemore, like we talked about earlier this week. So I forget yeah. who it was. Someone had the uh, someone put it on Twitter, and I'm going to give you guys anonymous credit. Uh, that was setting up the trick play for this week, where Trent Whittemore is actually going to throw the ball. Hey, and we we saw him do a trick play with Tommy Townsend, you know, once. Maybe Evan McPherson's got one when he's coming back after you know missing the missing the last game. Oh no. We've got to have two kickers on the field. If we're going all these like different jumbo sets, we can get Chris Howard back out there. <laughs> Zach Sessa, he hasn't even gotten to play yet. There you go. Uh, if Demetrius even knows who that is. <laughs> I do not. I'll it's be honest. Okay. No, he's, he's new. Anyway, that should, um, that should just about do it. Jackie, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, let everyone know where they can find all of your work. 
Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. And yeah, you can find my work in several places right now. Um, on, my, on the day, I'm at WCJB. So you can find my work at WCJB.com. I also write also for a little bit SIL Gators, but also on First and Ten. So you can find me in several places. I talk about Florida Gators. Sometimes I talk about the elections. Sometimes I talk about babies being born after you know they had a quarantine and chill apparently led to a baby boom for January <laughs> and February. So um, I covered all the different topics right now. Yeah, you guys do not want to miss that coverage. It's truly one of a kind. Make sure to go and check it out. Uh, as well as you can follow myself at Zach underscore Goodall and Demetrius at Demetrius82. Uh, never miss an episode of the Locked On Gators podcast by following at Locked On Gators. And subscribe just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Locked On Gators. Like I said at the start of the show, this probably is not the first time you're going to be hearing from Jackie, so uh, you might want to get used to it. We're excited for some stuff that could be coming in the near future. But until next time, Florida's about to take on Georgia after you've heard this. We'll be talking to you next week, either feeling pretty optimistic about Florida's chances at the SEC East, or I guess Dan Mullen could be facing a little more criticism. We'll catch up with you guys then to break it down from there.